Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. What's up, mainlanders, islanders, and other errs that I may have forgotten about? Welcome to this edition of the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm Patch, and with me, wishing he could go to Bali, just like me, is my best friend and co-host Aaron. Hello, Feelin' Filmers! There, there's an errs that I forgot. <laughs> I love thanks it. For, uh, thanks for bringing in the obvious. That's good stuff. Patrick, <laughs> where is Bali? <laughs> is it Bali, in the south? Not Bali. Bali. Bali, Bali is in like, is... Vegas, I think. I think well, that's no. Vegas. That's <laughs> So all I remember is South Pacific, the musical, and this song, Bali High. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay, so is it in the South Pacific then? Are you Googling? It you is, don't know either. You don't know I either. don't know. It's in, but, uh, it's, but I, it's in Indonesia, I think. Okay. That's what the okay. quickest uh, internet search that, is telling that's me. That's good. Okay. We're not a so history or geography podcast, folks, so no, it's okay. No, yeah, and it's one of those it's one of those paradise islands or paradise places that you hear about that I feel like the only, the top 2% of the world gets to go to. Like the Maldives is another one of those where you hear about that and there's like all-inclusive vacations about like Sandals has a presence on some of these places, but like Bali is completely out of the question in terms of like getting over there because you know the flights and you know it's just like it's all inclusive after you pay the eight grand to get over there for a week no yeah i'd rather stuff i'd rather (laughs) i'd rather do a airbnb in hawaii that's you know that's more my speed and more my financial speed so alas i'll probably never get to bali and i'm okay with that it's gorgeous though it is. It is. If it was filmed on location for this movie, then absolutely. It's actually think it, I think I looked that up and it was filmed in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> George Clooney would be happy. Or in this case, David Cotton. Well, this week we are hanging out with George Clooney and Julia Roberts, who play probably one of the most entertaining on-screen couples as we take our fun conversation into Ticket to Paradise. This 2022 rom-com hit us. It gives us some feelings. What are those? Let's find out. This is your spoiler warning. Talking about this movie in depth. Going to get right into it. No hesitation. I like this movie quite a bit, but the first thing I wanted to ask you, Aaron, because this is one that has to do with, if I'm going to be blunt, a divorced couple with a daughter. Uh, This is something that you are admittedly familiar with. So you have a daughter. She's in college. Would you ever see her doing something like what Lily does in this movie? Becoming a lawyer? Absolutely not. Not not a chance. <laughs> That's not Or what did I was you mean asking. the marriage part? <laughs> the whole the whole like crux seaweed of the farmer. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that whole that part. Yeah. 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 No. No. Uh wouldn't. Um so, you know, I I have a bit of a unique situation. Which made this a little easier to watch, probably, to be honest, because yes, she is in college and she is in a relationship. However, my daughter is not nearly as driven in a romantic sense as many young women 
her age. That has never been a priority for her. She's not someone who has had boyfriends her whole life. It it has always been all about her chosen profession and the the thing that she is driving herself to ultimately be able to do for the rest of her life, in which her case is coding, not lawyering, thank goodness. And I think that that helped me, honestly, when I was watching it, because if I had a person who was like in a very committed, potentially like engaged scenario type of relationship, and I was watching this, I think I would have been on edge completely seeing this go down at because of the age that I am now. And it was just, it was very much like that for me, Patrick, you know, we talk about all the time, watching movies at different times in your life, et cetera. But I thought a lot about how the rom-coms we grew up on that made us fall in love with the genre from the eighties and the nineties and the early two thousands, we were in our teens and twenties, <laughs> young people. We were on the Caitlin Deaver side of the relationship years. Now we are on the Clooney and the Julia Roberts side of this particular scenario. And it it just plays really differently. And it's fascinating to watch. I agree. Watching this, not having a daughter, but having a right now a nine-year-old son who's nowhere close to being in college, graduating from college, potentially not even going to college, and then going to Bali with his interesting best friend who apparently was a replacement for or he was a replacement or she was a replacement for really bad parents of this other girl no he's not nearly there yet and i don't know that he'll ever get there but that's just me speaking to my you know nine-year-old son's like being at this point but you're right there's something really interesting about watching a movie like this knowing where we're at and i I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this rom-com for its rom-comness, but also for its blunt portrayal of what it's like to be a parent, what it's like to deal with your child beginning to make decisions on their own, independent of you. And I think this sort of gets hinted at early in our parental parental world where you have, and I don't know how it is with your kids, because your kids seem to basically be your your besties, uh, the way you talk about them and the way they want to hang out with you. But I wonder, um, was there a point with your kids where they were kind of like giving you the Heisman where they're like, you know what, I'm ready for you to back off a little bit. You're my dad. Don't do the dad jokes. Don't do any of that. Did that ever come to be? Because I feel like what we see in this movie is sort of an extension of what typically happens with parents and adolescent kids that start kind of getting their own identity they have their own friends and they want you to drop them off like 10 streets away from the party because they can't drive yet did you ever experience that with with your kids not yet no my kids not yet always <laughs> no your kids are in high school and college not yet well i'm I just saying I, guess... that I think you've passed <laughs> okay. that Woo! so good for you victory Yay. but no i Yay. i never really did they actually you know they never got embarrassed by me of course, I didn't go out in public in my way to embarrass the, out of my way in public to embarrass them or with their friends or anything like that. Like my dad kind of did for me uh, a lot of times, <laughs> as you well know. Yeah, it was just a thing. Maybe that's probably why I didn't do it. But uh, the, the worst thing that they would do is they love to make fun of me. And so, for example, when I would say 
weird things accidentally. Like I would be ma- I would make a bad joke or maybe something came out of my mouth and I, you know, fumbled the words and it came out as a really incoherent, silly sentence. Well, they started keeping a running notebook in their phones, their cell phones once they had them of dadisms is what they call them. And then they would like text each other if they weren't both with me and be like, oh my God, dad just said, blah, 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 make sure you log this. And so they literally have this running, probably six year long, seven year long document of things that I have said, you know, that are just really stupid when you just read them off of this list and have no context, but they just think it's the funniest living document thing ever. (laughs) And so they've, I think were more entertained by me than ever embarrassed by me. And, and so we, yeah, we've had a very good relationship with them. And I think that, I think that like Caitlin Deaver's character, and I need to remember her name in the freaking movie because it would probably be better. What's the daughter's name? Lily. Lily. There we go. So like Lily, you know, they, they would have definitely wanted me to be there. And I feel like that's one of the things that I do relate to because it, it seems to me that both parents in this are equally committed to being a big part of their daughter's life. And she is something that they value and they give her attention and it's important to her. And she wants them both to be there, even though she knows that maybe they don't get along so well. And, and I think that, yeah, that's what I, I think that, like. yeah. And that, okay. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense that she's not embarrassed by them as like their presence. I think she's embarrassed by them at what they've become, which is two individuals who hate each other and she is their focal point. And so they have to basically fake a relationship with each other in order to appease her, which becomes kind of a, an ongoing thing in the movie and how they end up sort of becoming a team to try to get this marriage broken up, which sets the tone for this kind of rom-com because and this is an interesting romantic comedy approach where you have Julia Roberts and George Clooney as a couple, an on-screen couple, but you also have in bits and pieces, you have Lily with her fiance. Is it Geed? I think is his name. I don't remember, but they have small moments as well. And I thought that's an interesting take on the romantic comedy and that you have you know, two couples, mainly one, but two. So as a fan of romantic comedies, as we've alluded to in the past, we've talked about several of them. We've had uh, Aaron 2.0 on to talk about why we love them. Did this hit the mark for you in terms of like the things that you like in a rom-com? Did it feel different than some in the past? for the better or for worse? Or was this kind of like right on par with this is what I need my rom-coms to be? This is not a special movie. I'll just come out and say right up the bat that this is not something that is blowing the doors down on the genre or reinventing it or going to stand the test of time as one of the best examples of a rom-com. It is derivative as can be. And I found that extremely calming and comforting Patrick it's kind of what I wanted at this point and and that's because we've gone in cycles right where so many modern takes on the rom-com I have been less able to I don't know get on their level because there's just 
a modernity to the comedy and the jokes, and it's usually vulgar. And this was a throwback to the movies that I grew up with, frankly. That's how it felt to me. And it was entirely held up on the backs of the incredible cast chemistry and watching them interact with each other. And the plot, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, it is so predictable. You know from the moment that it starts, you probably, if I gave you three guesses at every plot beat, I guarantee you 90% chance you pick it out completely, right? Like, it's that obvious how this is going to progress. There's no big surprises. It's just giving you that. And I think for me, it allowed me to just sit back and again, just enjoy and take in, frankly, because of our history with Clooney and Roberts too. Like these are two actors who have been in this game of this this career for so many decades. And we've seen them do so many things. We've seen them both in multiple rom-coms, but not with each other like this. And so I think it was kind of like, we're finally getting one. Patrick, it felt like we're finally getting one for the oldies. And and I, I it sucks <laughs> that I'm the oldie in this scenario. But like, that's how it was for me. I just let the vibe and the comforting feel just sweep over me. And I let myself get all up in my emotions briefly. And I didn't feel weighed down by it where it was like leaving me with these depressing thoughts or anything like it. it it came, I felt, it went, and that was perfect for what I needed at, from this, I guess, is what I would say about it. Yeah, I would agree. And we hinted at this, not hinted, we actually talked about this when we were discussing Marry Me, the rom-com from earlier this year, and how it harkened back to those early 2000s, late 90s, formulaic romantic comedies that hit the right beats in terms of comfort level, they're not trying to be any more or less than what they are. And I think we had this conversation in part last week or the week before regarding movies that do not have to blow our socks off. They don't have to be amazing. And they don't have to be terrible to be talked about. They can be enjoyed because movies entertain. As our intro says, we are out there to be entertained, and this absolutely did that for me. Much like most romantic comedies in the past. There are those that stand out and they do so because of some of the issues that they hit on. So 10 Things I Hate About You is one of my favorites because of the way it plays with this idea of popularity and getting over things that kind of in your past are going to affect your future. Plus it takes place in high school. So it's always that's always the clincher for me. This has an element of that, obviously. Your past affects your future. And it does touch on some of those different thematic elements in a way that feels somewhat natural. They don't feel like they're coming out of left field. But you talked about the relationship between George Clooney and Julia Roberts. We've seen them on screen together in several movies. Um, the, the most popular for me that comes to mind is Ocean's Eleven. They have a great chemistry. Ironically, you've got Clooney pining for Roberts in that as opposed to trying to push himself away. And spoiler alert, they end up getting back together also in Ocean's 12 and that kind of stuff. But I think what makes this work for me is exactly what you said. It's a rom-com for the old people. And it's interesting that we use two actors who are 
attractive to actors who in their prime, in their younger days, not that they've lost a bunch, they were a great looking on-screen couple and they still are. But clearly the writers and directors who cast them said, we want to use your age and where you are to really push the story forward. They feel like parents, Aaron. They feel like they should have kids on their own. Whereas you watch them in Ocean's Eleven because of the circumstance they're in, because of their age, they're very much not. This is a this is a couple that's like living the high life, living the Vegas life, going on adventures. This couple in Ticket to Paradise, they're reluctantly going to Bali, <laughs> and it's not until the end of the movie that they actually go, "Wow." This is actually a very beautiful place. We should probably stay here. We should probably enjoy this vacation. But I think it's such a smart move to use established on-screen couples, an on-screen couple like this, to really sell what it would be like to be parents. And I like the fact that we already have that establishment of, hey, they work well together. Let's put them in a situation where they're going to be able to be these parents and play off each other with that great chemistry. And that's what we get throughout the movie is we get tension from the very beginning. I absolutely love, you mentioned this to me offline, I love the way in which they both remember the way they met, the way they proposed, the way they dated, and how different it was from one another. Because this is very much what I think a couple that knows each other for years and years and years does. My wife jokes with me all the time because when I think about something that happened in the past, it's always 10 years ago, always. And she always tells me, We're, we've been married for longer than 10 years, so surely that's not when that took place. And I go, sure it is. I learned to drive 10 years ago. No, you didn't. You know, and just It's things like that that make relationships fun because that's an absolutely true thing that happens, that two people remember something completely different and there'll be elements of truth that exist and what you can guarantee is that neither of them are completely right (laughs) there's going to be elements of truth that exist in those so i think from the very beginning from the jump we get an established couple that does a different kind of story here as parental adults as opposed to like action adventure adults or um hot young couple adults and for me that works because i'm a parent and i'm a husband And I can see some of myself in both of these individuals, not necessarily on the attractive scale, but definitely on the circumstance scale because of what they do throughout the movie. Yeah, I mean, that's it. It's relatable. I think that's the key word is that we can relate, whether it be based on our experiences, which I certainly personally can very closely uh, and or whether it's just via age and like you said, place in our lives. And I think that their chemistry together is not necessarily something that would be a given based on previous work because they haven't really worked together outside of the movie that I really enjoy with them that most people haven't seen or don't even really know about, which is Money Monster. I highly recommend it. It's a movie about uh, a broadcast TV station and a very like intense thriller. And I believe Julia Roberts is like the producer I want to say, and George Clooney is on the air and there's a a threat uh, of someone getting killed and, uh, you know, a demand that's being made. And it's just a really, really tense 
movie that I like them together in, but it's a very different relationship, obviously, than is being played here. And then Confessions of a Dangerous Mind and the Oceans films, which are they're like 20 years old, Patrick, <laughs> at this point. Like, I mean, that's Insane. I know. Insane. I know. It's crazy. And obviously they have some chemistry in those movies, but they've never really been in something like this before. I think it's just the fact that we know that these are two of our more charismatic actors of our generation, and they have done it in other movies with other people. And for me, that was a big part of the draw of Ticket to Paradise when it came out or, or when it got announced was, oh my gosh, I want to see these two people do this thing together because I haven't. And I have every belief that it, it, they're going to knock it out of the park. And lo and behold, they're perfect together. I think they understand how to play these characters. Clooney, it's not really that different than a lot of characters he's played, I don't think, because he's not really the guy that was the action star. You know, he didn't go the Brad Pitt route. Uh, he's pretty much stayed, for the most part, in a very drama-heavy and, and comedy-drama-heavy kind of area for his the majority of his mm -hmm. career i would yeah. say and and he does he coasts by on his charisma i mean he, even in movies where there's action like three kings or something like the dude is he just oozes this uh, sex appeal i mean it's what he was the sexiest man and on earth and gq or whatever for i mean i feel like it was like a decade running every year it was george clooney george clooney george clooney sexiest man alive it's hard to argue, honestly, still, like, I don't understand but, but why this man is not showing any signs of like crazy aging, but both of them, they're just, they're still, they're so attractive. And I think that they make their individual cases here. They're able to, they're such good actors that they're able to allow you to actually not like them, if that makes sense. So a lot of times it's hard to not like movie stars. Because they're movie stars. And so these two actors in this film, for me, have a unique ability to when you see them together in moments where that charisma and chemistry is supposed to show some spark and you're supposed to have some fun with it, right? Like the banter, which is something I relate to with my ex. The constant one-upmanship, the... Everything is a competition between them. That is something that we still have to this day. In fact, my ex's new husband jokes about it and just has to roll his eyes because we'll be at Christmas all together and like we're still competing. We're we haven't been married in, you know, 10 years now, but we are still competing about everything. It's just it's like how we were and we still are that way in our relationship. So I kind of lock in on that and and these two actors are able to give you that and it's fun. But at the same time, I never was so in love with them as movie stars that I forgave their actions. Like I was always critical of the way they were acting about their daughter and the decisions they were making. And so I just think that there's a uniqueness about that. I, I think not all Hollywood actors can pull that off, in my opinion, to be both completely lovable, but also at the same time. You're judging them and you're saying, no, you're doing this the wrong way and I disapprove. Yeah, and I think it has to do with that charisma that you mentioned, because when you look at these actors and you put them in 
roles where they are an architect and a a photographer or actually I can't remember what their roles were or their but they were in established like successful careers like they were successful people and so that charisma bleeds into their occupations so it's easy to believe that both of their careers were the things that they wanted to do and how it conflicted with their relationship with each other. I mean, David Clooney's character as established by, um, by Georgia is all about his career and he wants a stay at home mom. And her issue is that while she loved that, she felt like she was losing herself when she was talking to Lily about it. And so clearly you have career-driven parents whose characters, character traits, they just live in Lily until the moment that she meets her beau in Bali and she realizes that her life is, quote, so out of balance. Now, I'll just say this. She graduated from college. She didn't graduate from law school. So I have a small nitpick about the fact that there's all this pressure about, oh, gosh, I'm going to be a lawyer. No, you're not. You're going to go clerk or you're going to do something in the law field when you get back from this vacation. But you still have to go to law school and pass the bar. So if you're going to I felt like if she had. That that plot, that kind of drive would have been better had we seen her graduating from law school and not from college because that establishes a longer commitment. And when she says, man, I don't want to give up everything that I've worked for, that has more weight. Now, granted, four years of college, that's a lot, and that's a lot of money that you're putting in. But you add law school on top of that, that creates a heavier kind of commitment that you're basically dropping. And I think it would add more weight to this whole sequence where her parents are coming in to tell her you're doing a stupid thing what do you get look what you're giving up but it wasn't enough to deter my enjoyment of the movie i just felt like these days going to college is not necessarily you know you're giving up anything because you can go to college and get a degree in something you'll never use aka me okay so it's not like you're losing a lot you're losing four years of your life as opposed to like eight like if you're a doctor or even, you know, in this case, a lawyer, but her ambition and her drive, I love that it sort of echoes from both of them and watching Clooney and Roberts on screen, that charisma reinforces their career mindedness and how it conflicts with their relationship. And that's a, that's an interesting kind of approach to asking yourself what is happiness how is that defined and i think the movie does a really great job of really sort of giving us multiple answers about how happiness is defined i think it starts with our circumstances or our seasons you mentioned earlier that watching movies like this if we were watching it in our 20s we wouldn't relate to the parents we think the parents are goofs and oh yeah those totally my parents you know they would do that or not at all but as adults who have been married who have children and for you specifically you have a daughter in college that is in a relationship all this stuff connects and i think that it's important to look at this movie and ask the question does happiness change based on your life circumstances i think the question i think the answer is yes but i also think that 
there are some established things that the movie asks of us, or at least presents, which is the idea of commitment and committing through some of the unhappiness or committing through these big decisions that you make. And uh, for me, one of the things I, I latched onto was this idea of Lily's fiance and eventual husband who says, I thought marriage was supposed to be forever. And it's played for last, but I'm like, yep. I mean, not just on paper, but marriage is a commitment. And it's something that I know, I wouldn't say it's something that's established as like something you can just get rid of easily. But I like the fact that the movie looks at marriage and looks at that kind of lifelong commitment as something valuable. It's not just cultural, it is valuable. And it's something that both David and Georgia kind of explore as they're going through this movie. And I thought that was really cool. I completely agree. I thought that was phenomenal just to have any sort of film that acknowledges, like you just called it, the value of actually staying married. <laughs> and it's not played for a joke as if the kid is saying it, the fiance, it's not played for a joke in the sense that he is crazy for thinking such a thing. Like, I guess what I'm saying, well, I mean, that's what George Clooney acts like in that moment, but in response to him, but I'm saying this, the way this, the script handles it to me shows that reverence and that, you know, high place of it being something it's, it's not showing Clooney's response to him when he's like, yeah, right, kid. It's showing that as the wrong part. <laughs> like that's the, the poor viewpoint is the one that the father who was divorced have has not the young man who believes it should be forever. And it is, it's an important part to put into this. And I agree with you. I think the way that they wove the cultural idea of the circumstances, and I, I wish I remembered or had written down what it was because they talk about like the three things that are needed, you know, right perfect, place, right time, right person. That's what those are the three. Yeah. And cause they're, that's what, I remember that scene very vividly where the two parents are talking and he says to her and she's like, oh yeah, what, and none of those were for us. And he's like, no, one out of three. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, right place. And I think there's so much truth to that. <laughs> of, And I think there's an honest conversation that should have been had based on their concerns. Also, and I, so I, I love that the movie makes you think about that, where there's a reason for them to legitimately be wary of Lily's decision making. Like, it shouldn't all just be, okay, awesome, congratulations, have a great life. Like, there is a worthy reason to sit down and talk through these things and not just jump the gun. Having been the guy that jumped the gun probably twice. Okay. Like I've been there. And, and so I understand that reluctance coming from someone who is like, I don't want you to experience the ultimate pain and hurt that I went through coming out on the other end of doing what I now look back on as something that was too instinctual and a little bit reckless at the time to move so fast. So there's value in, 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 you know, the calm part comes in, in the fact that they don't handle that in a way that is 
healthy and like good parents should. Instead, they steal wedding rings and do awful mean, say awful mean things about how your new fiance is going to leave you in the dust in pain and you might as well just leave her now before she hurts you kind of thing. So, but, but I think that it's there on the, on the, you know, underside of the script. It's, it's saying that that's important and that her having to at least think about it is a good thing. Yeah. And when I, as I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking about that and I'm thinking about how happiness changes as you get older. Happiness changes as you get into different seasons of life. When you get married in its purest form, assuming that, yes, you'll have desires outside of that because marriages will have their ups and downs. There will be days when you don't like your wife or your husband, even though you love them. I've had that. My wife and I are very honest about we have those days, you know, present tense. They happen because you're living with a person, because you're sharing a life with a person, because you're working through the unchanging quirks and things that make your spouse them, make them themselves. And I've learned to realize that my happiness changes throughout has will will continue has is and will continue to change as I get closer to my grave and I'm okay with that I'm okay with knowing that things I liked doing at 20 years old I don't like doing now and I never want to go back to man I wish I was 20 I wish I'd liked doing those things I never want to dress younger than my age I never want to feel like the dad bod is something that I have to either embrace or regret. There are just things that happen as you get older that you just have to accept. And it's not a loss. It's not like a battle that you're losing. I'm not saying that we can't be healthier physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Yes, there's absolutely a need to, as you get older, just from a physical standpoint, to stay active as much as you can. But to deny the fact that your body is going to be able to do a little bit less every year, that you're going to maybe forget things more than you did the year before, is not something that we need to say, what's wrong with me? And I think in the same way, this movie allows for two people, in the case of Roberts and Clooney, to look at their daughter and see a decision that she's making, it makes sense for them to say, we don't want her to repeat the mistakes that we've made. And I think what we get to by the end is that they're not mistakes that she's making. They're choices that she's making that have elements of similarity to what she, uh, what, what David and Georgia went through. But they're not the same. They'll never be the same. There are going to be elements of familiarity because of the fact that there are common things that happen. We're always going to make impulsive decisions, whether it's about purchasing something. I got a, you know, true confession. I was engaged before I got, I was engaged and almost married to someone else before I married my wife. And I was recently talking to uh, a friend about this. And I said, as we were kind of working through this kind of whole thing he's kind of helping me you know counsel and and whatnot 
it it dawned on me that I was impulsive, that I went from being engaged that two months later, because of some challenges that we had been having, you know, longer story to go into than worth going into. And then I kid you not, almost a year or a year and a half later, I'm engaged again. And I'm asking myself the question, wow, not did I make a mistake in getting married quickly, but I'm asking the question why? Because it's not a mistake. When I married my wife, my commitment, my decision to marry her, there's no mistake about was it the wrong one? Is she my soulmate? It doesn't matter. She's my wife. And that's where we get that establishment. So every challenge that we deal with, every problem, all the stuff that that we have battled in the last 14 or 15 years of our marriage, it's worth it because the commitment to me outweighs the problems. In other words, I have chosen and my wife has chosen for us not to give up on this as hard as it gets. Doesn't mean that we not come close. Doesn't mean that we continue to have these challenges. So when I watch Ticket to Paradise, what I see is an organic way of getting from that formulaic beginning to middle to end. I knew that David and George were going to get together at the end. I knew it because it's that formulaic way of doing things. And you're giving me this face. What I like is that I didn't know how, and I liked that it felt natural. It felt like when they held hands instead of kissed at the end, to me, that made sense. Hey, we're going to try again. We're going to give it another shot. We're going to give ourselves the opportunity to really not start over, but to go from here and see what happens next. And it's not like we're going to go back to the lake because I thought that would happen that we'd see like a year later, they're getting married at the lake with this brand new cabin or whatever. I'm glad we didn't get to see that. Yeah, that would have been really old school. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad we didn't see that because to me, the the story or the lesson learned here is that we can't go back, but we can use what's happened before to establish something new and fresh and use the choices, the decisions from the past, good or bad, to help affect our future. And I like that. I like that the movie kind of, yes, it ends on a happy note, but it comes to it in a way that doesn't feel like it's overly superficial, overly romantic, but almost realistic. Now, this is not Marriage Story, the Netflix movie, because obviously that's very real and hardcore and just raw. But I think this has touches of that that wrap itself really nicely into a romantic comedy. I agree. And if you're reading is the correct one, or for how you choose to take the reading of it, I also like that, that it does not end in them getting remarried. That would have been a gut punch to a lot of us divorcees in a lot of ways. Sure. Sure. um, Even more than we saw throughout the movie. But I actually think that there is an intentionality to that final scene in leaving it as a reconciliation that doesn't necessarily have to be romantic. I think it's perfectly believable that the experience they went through leads to them taking the time by jumping off that ferry to spending a few days and reconnecting in a way where they can move forward 
as friends and co-parents. Because what doesn't necessarily have truth to it is that they're right for each other now. <laughs> and, you know, I, when I got divorced the second time <laughs> the with the kids, you would never believe now, because the relationship I have with my ex, whose house I literally just went up to Friday without my kids to hang out with her and her husband and watch a movie in their theater. <laughs> you know, we have a wonderful friendship. Ten years ago, well, actually, you know, but I mean, audiences wouldn't know. But like, I mean, I was calling you in tears, broken down. Like some of the things that we said to each other, some of the ways we treated each other, the things that were done, they were honestly things that I believed I would never, ever come back from, right? Like you couldn't, we couldn't be in a room together. There was so much anger and vitriol and all of those things. And when you're in that place, you can't see the potential for anything else. But then when you get to that point where you're able to like look at each other differently and you're able to move past it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be romantic again and you're going to suddenly fall in love, which like you're saying is the follow-up end plot of pretty much all of the movies that are like this. This is one place it kind of differs. So I like the idea that they could just end up coming out of this two days later as really supportive friends who back each other up and aren't bitter and aren't bickering and bantering all the time with each other and instead can go to a, a family gathering and hang out on Thanksgiving and bring their significant others and just be happy to all be one big co-parenting family with their daughter and her new husband. It could right. go either way. I just, that is a reading that I personally, and, and again, I am 100% projecting like none of this happens in the movie. I just think <laughs> it leaves it like specifically the fact that there's no kiss. It leaves it in a way that is just saying, Hey, take my hand, come with me. Let's try to fix our relationship, not let's try to fall in love again. And I, I think it's yeah. a beautiful way to end this movie. Well, not it's the, it's actually even more beautiful when we get to end credits, but in a different way, yes. but yeah, go ahead. Right. And I, and I agree with you in terms of that being a valid interpretation. I never, and, and that, what I meant by the honesty was just that, that for 90% of the movie, I'm watching David just completely belittle Georgia in terms of dis, just completely discrediting her career. Obviously, it's from bitterness. It's from how he was hurt. There's this really great scene where they are arguing in, I think, his apartment, his hotel room or hers, and they are just going back and forth, getting really honest with each other. That establishment of why, that establishment of the fact that they are not in the same place, that they wanted different things, I think it has to do with the fact that they were changing as their marriage changed. They, they had a baby named Lily who at one point said, oh, so I'm the reason that you guys split up. I don't believe that, obviously, but I can see why she would think that because she changed their relationship. When we have kids, it changes our relationships with our spouses. It changes our relationships. Even as you've mentioned to me, it changes the relationship with a divorced 
in, in a divorce relationship, but it's coming back from that and establishing new foundations, which I think this movie is hinting at at the end. That that leap with them holding hands is in some ways telling us they're starting fresh, not starting over, but they have an established relationship with their daughter. They have careers. And in no way did I think that they were going to now get get married and everything's going to be great and they're going to have kids and they're just going to let's let's just do it over again. No. I think both of them were like we have established lives apart from each other. But let's establish our lives connected to each other in a way that's healthy. And yes, it should be in part. I'm going to say this very clearly in part for the sake of our daughter and her husband and their family, but more so for them to establish a genuinely positive and happy relationship with each other based off of what it is at whatever point. If they get together, fantastic, but that's not the goal. And that's not, I think that's why I like the ambiguity of the ending is that it's never established that their goal is now to get together, to reconcile, and now they're going to live happily ever after. No. Absolutely their goal not at, at all. <laughs> yeah. And, and their goal, and at that point, their goal is not to make their daughter happy. They've already done that by giving their blessing at the actual wedding, which I thought was great. The fact that the fact that David stands up and gives his little speech, independent of just saying, yes, her mother and I give our blessing for now and forever, you know, reiterating what they did not believe earlier in the movie but that he has his own kind of vows that he makes as a parent that you don't need our blessing. We are here and we support you. That's been established. So what makes the ending so great is that there's a question mark of not will they or won't they get together, but what's this relationship going to be like? It's obviously going to be restarted or resumed in a good place where they both love and respect each other. That was one of the things that that I pulled out from that argument is that Georgia said, you never respected anything I did. And that's such a huge thing for a couple to be able to both love and respect each other. For me to respect the things that my wife values and not to belittle her because I think they're stupid. And the same way with her. To look at the things that I value as trivial as they might be, but because I enjoy them, because I value them, she values them. Uh, she, she doesn't value them specifically, but she loves me through those things. So as a case in point, she plants, I never can remember if it's annuals or perennials, but it's the ones that you pull up in the fall and you replant in the spring. I think it's a complete waste of like money. I'm like, why do you put flowers in the ground that you know you're going to pull up in six months to plant new ones? Well, why do I buy Lego sets that I put together and never take apart? I build them and I'm done. It's same thing with pop figures. Why do I have a ton of pop figures in my office? Because I enjoy it. And so there are things about being a couple that you learn not to deal with, but you learn to value about the person. As trivial as those things might be to you, those are the things that they matter to that person. You, they, that person matters to you, so they matter to you. And I think that's what we get at the end here is that both David and Georgia respect each other. They respect not only their careers, their roles as parents, but also 
as individuals. And I think they're getting back to not what made them fall in love with each other, but what made them care about each other and like each other. And and it's great. I like that it ends that way because it's kind of ambiguous and it's hopeful, which is something that, you know, today's day and age, we definitely need more of those kinds of endings. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And And the relationship with the daughter, you know, Lily and her fiance, Geed, Geed, is it Geed or Geed? I don't know. I which think way. it's Geed. Geed is is super cool too, just because there's an obvious draw to this unique family situation that he has that is appealing to her. It's not just about living in Bali; it's him and what he represents, the way he loves this extended family, and the way that they welcome her into it. Those are things that are important to her. And I love that we have Carrie Fisher's daughter, Billy Lord playing kind of Mm -hmm. the silly goofy. And we don't get the stupid stuff. This is what I was talking earlier about how modern rom-coms in a modern rom-com, Patrick, Billy Lord's character would try to seduce Lily's dad, George Clooney. Mm -hmm. That is what, in fact, there was a scene where I was literally talking to the TV going, don't, don't, don't. When she shows up at the bar and he's sitting there by himself and I said, do not do this. Do not do this. Do not do this. Do not, you know, and he doesn't. He treats her like a friend to Lily. And she treats him like a, a fellow adult and Lily's dad. Like, I was so pleased by that because I'm just tired of that always turning that direction. I also really loved, by the way, the scene. I mentioned the competitiveness between my ex and I. And I just... Then the moment where David is, they're at the bar and they're they're taking drinks and Geed's like, this is like really rough stuff. You don't, this will knock you out. And he's like, no, I'm a man. So I gotta, I gotta outman you. Uh, I'm fine. And he's like, let's, let's play beer pong. And then he's like, oh, let's play it with this, this drink, this alcohol. And so he and Georgia, George, why they would call her Georgia when his name, real name is George? It's just, it's just super confusing. Anyway, and Julia and Georgia. Anyway, terrible casting choices, name 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 choices. But David and Georgia play pong against Geed, and it's just it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I just love watching them cut loose. It's that charisma we know of them. The musical choices, George Clooney dancing. It is an absolute joy and. I love how that scene plays out and is both super entertaining, but also very clear in the, these people are ridiculous and this is not how adults and maturity should act, you know, should be. So I, I, I just thought that that was a, a, bl- a blast of fresh air. And then of course they end up in the bed together. Also again, didn't sleep together. Zero indication of that. Pretty sure that's not what happened based on what they they say to each other that just David was kind of dipping. That's what it's kind of. Well, I know, but I, I don't know. I got the impression that they didn't based on no, the way I, yeah, she, I, no, she I agree. was Absolutely. fully clothed. And yeah. I just thought that that was a cute twist again on not turning it into about them getting back together. And then you also have Luca Brava who is hilarious in this movie as the, is it Paul? I think his name is. It's Paul. The airline pilot boyfriend who comes in and is like 
I'm going to do the exact thing this movie is all about, right? We're in Bali. This is the right time, the right place. I'm going to like propose to you while we're here. And then we get some like fun comedy from that with Georgia realizing like, maybe this isn't the right thing for me either. It doesn't necessarily mean David is, but it helps her to understand why her trying to fill this hole and, and void that she had was not the best choice for, he was not the best choice for that in her life. So I think that's, yeah, I think that in and of itself is what sells the movie for me. I mean, several things do obviously the beer pong. Fantastic. You can actually see how much fun Julia Roberts and George Clooney are having doing that scene when they're dancing and doing that whole montage. I thought that feels very authentic of two actors just having fun together. But yes, when we see Paul, do his thing and we just see all the screw ups the natural tendency is for her to say you know what david really was a good husband no paul is there to help georgia realize that this isn't the right guy but it's not in contrast to david there were times when i think because of the 5 years that he spent with her he knew her well enough to say, you don't like surprises. And of course, Paul <laughs> surprises her all the time. And I don't know if he says this, but clearly she doesn't like being around someone who's a yes man. And he agree- Paul agrees with everything she says. But that's never something that becomes a crux for her. He is essentially, Paul is essentially a representation of a superficial pursuit like on the surface he could make me happy we both he supports me in my career but she realizes that she needs more than that again she's in a new place she's a mother she's a successful career person now she needs someone or she doesn't she may or she may not need someone who's going to reinforce that and so i like that the movie never puts those two characters at odds with each other. Not that they're going to fight, but even in the fact that it never makes David look so much better when Paul screws up. I like that there's no comparison between these two because that's not the point. The point is about reconciliation and renewal of a relationship, whatever that is. And I think that reinforces itself at the end of the movie, as we talked about earlier. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I think it's really well done and really pleasant all the way through. It doesn't have the stuff that I don't like that tends to distract from the good stuff. And I hope that we continue to get more like this made. I I was commenting in my letterbox post about, you know, we got both this and marry me two different, but really good rom-coms for us in the same year and they're both super fresh and not they don't lean into those tropes and those things that we dislike and and they're also both featuring like older people that are our age and have been around the blocks maybe there's something to that i guess but yeah it's it's so sweet man and then i hope you watched the end credits because oh yeah this movie oh yeah had a blooper reel and we would be remiss if we didn't mention it because just in case anybody listening did not see it, 
make sure you go rewatch this movie when it hits streaming somewhere so you can see the bloopers or I don't, I'm assuming they played them in the theater. That would have been a hoot to see it in a public with a bunch of people because they were just, they cracked me up. We don't get this stuff very often anymore. And when you have actors again with the type of charisma of a Julia Roberts and George Clooney, it's just so funny. Uh, my favorite was when they're on the airplane and they're doing that scene where the woman comes and sits between them and the stewardess comes over and she in this, this is all in the blooper reel and she drops the bottle on him and Julia Roberts goes, Oh, it's okay. It's just George Clooney. We have another one. And George Clooney goes, 1-800-BRAD-PITT. I guffawed. <laughs> I laughed out loud. I could not stop. I was like, oh my goodness, the self-awareness. Because you don't know you're being, you're not like filming that for a joke. That was just a natural thing that he said, being very aware of the comparisons between the two of them. And I thought it was so, so funny. Yeah, it was good. I think my favorite one was, I think, just near the end, if not the last shot of the of the reel, where... <laughs> somebody knocks on the door and it's i think it's paul uh the actor i can't remember his name in a batman costume which oh I yeah, was yeah fantastic like the the adam west blue uh blue batman outfit and he's like yeah you got me <laughs> and then it you know cuts to black I, I think i think blooper reels in general are a lot of fun because they just amplify the enjoyment that the actors have with each other that it's not all just acting all the time especially in romantic comedies where the stuff that you see in those blooper reels kind of bleeds in you see how it bleeds into the movie and how it makes you smile uh watching them on screen whether it's in a scene or in an outtake all right well that's going to do it for us on this edition of feeling film we're still staying in the theaters this time next week we're going back to wakanda but not forever because hopefully it's less than a three-hour movie otherwise staying in the theater forever would just be terrible for me and we wouldn't get a chance to talk about the the movie so do you know how Black long Pan the movie is it's not forever it's it is three hours oh my gosh. <laughs> ah, it's that season i'm not kidding yes oh my gosh wakanda forever and a day okay so i guess we are going back to wakanda forever <laughs> and in this case it's three hours two hours so, and 41 minutes it's close okay well, that includes credits, and I was going to um, say with the Marvel credits, that's another fifteen minutes. So, yes. yeah, <laughs> which is an extra anyway. two scenes because of the mid credits and end credits, which I'm currently protesting mid and end credits. So, I my movie may be two hours, even you know, with all that. <laughs> and you anyway, missed a good so one back. if you would have done that for Black Adam. You're right. You gave me a heads up, and I'm grateful for that. I and will do that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, of course you will. <laughs> I want what I want to do, Aaron, is I want to just be in my seat right in front of right behind the uh, the handicap row with the rail and stuff. And when the credits roll, I want to stand up in defiance and tell the whole audience, I'm leaving. I know there's something <laughs> here, but I'm leaving. We don't care. <laughs> Down yeah, in front. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Stop filming us. <laughs> That's like anyway. everybody on Twitter right now that's making me mad. They're all like, I'm leaving tomorrow. This place sucks. Elon Musk, this, and I'm going to, this place is hell. And literally for six days now, my timeline is full of nothing but people just repeatedly saying they're leaving. I'm like, I, I don't care. Don't announce yourself. Just go. Just go. Yeah. You don't want to watch the mid credits. Yeah. Just crawl out <laughs> of the theater quietly and go home. All right. 
<laughs> Please say that you're doing that to a general audience and not to me, because <laughs> that, that just breaks my heart when you do that. Anyway, so come back for that conversation. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, in the meantime, Aaron, thank you for this great conversation, and we will talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at FeelinFilm, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.